0: Hello everyone. Today, my guest is Bruce Buchanan. He is the creator of a company called Rocked, we'll jump into in a second. But as an early entrepreneur, he founded his first business at the right age of 16. He was a leader in the consumer practice at Boston Consulting Group and then built Jetstar into the largest low cost airline in Asia with 7,000 plus employees. After Jetstar, he revisited his roots and created another world-class company in Rocked. He expanded the company from a handful of employees working in Sydney in 2012 to a global team of more than 100 across four continents. Bruce, are you ready to take us to the top? Ready. All right. Je- the, you know, look, Jets is way sexier, I think, than most spaces. Why leave Jetstar?
1: Well, Jetstar was, uh, was a business that I didn't own. I was a hired gun at the time uh, working for... Effectively, the board and the shareholders, which were primarily the main business owned by Qantas. And, uh, I had a lovely time, but you know, when I got this sort of philosophy, when you wake up every morning and you're not energized and excited to go and do that thing that you're doing, it's time to do the next thing. And that's what I got to with Jetstar. I'd spent 10 years building a fantastic world-class airline and decided it was time to step out and uh, follow my dreams and do the next thing.
0: All right. What is the next thing? Tell us about rocked. What's the business do and how do you make money?
1: So Rocked is a marketing platform for e-commerce companies that basically helps them manage uh, all the marketing messages in and around a transaction. So they can be upsell messages, they can be opt-in and marketing messages, they can be charity, they can be market research, they can be a whole raft of things. But we give them a tool set that allows them to campaign, make all of those things campaigns. And be able to manage each individual consumer with the right messaging so that you're not sort of wedded to this old legacy e-commerce platform. You've got a modern cloud-based marketing platform that you can actually inject into your e-commerce flow. Okay. Uh,
0: okay.
1: And it's designed purely for e-commerce. It's, it's designed really to solve uh, a whole raft of challenges that primarily e-commerce companies have.
0: And revenue model. Is it a SaaS model, or transaction model? What's the, what's the model?
1: Uh, so there's four different products uh, and each of the four products have different revenue models, three revenue Jesus models.
0: Jesus, Bruce, how do you stay focused?
1: <laughs> well, they're all linked to the same platform, but uh, it depends on who's using it. But, and what the use case is, so they've got two of our products that are SaaS-based. So our optimized product and our Cal which is a calendaring SaaS product we bought last year. They're SaaS products. Um, we've got a, a, our monetized products, effectively a JV product where we share revenue with them, sort of like an AdSense model. And our our, our Acquire product, which is an acquisition product for new customers, is a CPC-type model like AdWords. Okay. And is revenue
0: generally distributed 25, 25, 25 across these, or is there one or two that make up their majority?
1: So two of the products are directly linked, so the same revenue flows through both of them. If you imagine AdSense and AdWords in the Google model, every dollar that comes through AdSense uh, comes from AdWords. And so we're the same. Every dollar that goes through Acquire finds its way back to monetize. So those two products are the dominant uh, revenue streams at the moment, probably about 90% of our revenue flows for those two products. There are and so it-
0: many companies, I talked to Bill Wise re- recently with MediaOcean, there are so many companies kind of in this space, ad, ad management, whether it's e-commerce, offline, et cetera, that are trying to figure out how to go from this transaction, kind of ad tech fee model to a SaaS play. Is that what drove your acquisition last year? And if so, how'd you find the target?
1: Look, it wasn't so much that. What what we've been looking for. Our primary focus is how to make e-commerce smarter and faster and better. That's really what we're in business for. And the Calreply acquisition. Um, what was, was what's the URL for that, or what was it? It's Calreply. You can still find it at Calreply.com. So it's C-A-L-R-P-L-Y. Dot com, and it's uh, it's a calendar management company. It's used by a whole bunch of businesses like ESPN. So. If you, um, if you want to find out the latest sporting events, you go to CalReply, sign up to a particular calendar that interests you, and all those major world sporting events that are fed into your calendar, and you can click on them and tune in wherever you want. So it's uh, effectively like Exact Target or like the email platforms, but it does that for calendars. So if you imagine that as another communication channel and things that are more time-sensitive like sporting events, ticketing, travel, um, uh, TV networks, they tend to use it as a, as a communication channel for those time-sensitive things.
0: And w- uh, that you said that was a pure SaaS play, right?
1: It's pure SaaS play. And we bought it because a lot of our companies in the ticketing and travel space are looking to diversify their own media communication channels. And so rather than just relying on email, which is fantastic, or email and push notification, they're looking for new ways to get to people that are more relevant uh, for that particular message, and, and calendaring is a great one for time-sensitive messaging.
0: And have they stagnated, and you were able to get a great deal, or did you pay a premium to get it?
1: Look, uh, we paid. Uh, it wasn't a massive deal because the revenue numbers for them uh, weren't uh, massive. So like you're in sub
0: the ten- one million, would you say?
1: Uh, no, we paid fifteen million for it. So it wasn't on revenues a, of what, though? A <laughs> Revenues of uh, one and a half to two million sort of uh, range on a, on, a, yeah. on a SaaS basis. And um, the primary reason we bought it is we saw real synergies with uh, our existing clients. So there's a lot of businesses like airlines, like Ticketmaster Live Nation that we work with that are looking for these types of solutions. And the point that the, the primary point of getting consent typically isn't around that, is around the transaction. So someone's just bought concert ticket. That's a great time to say, look, can we put them in your calendar and then can we feed, you know, reminders to you and print out whatever the particular messages are you want to do. That's a great time to actually have that communication with the customer.
0: And you, you made that acquisition. I believe you said a year ago. Correct.
1: Last February we finalized that. Yeah, so not quite a year ago, but almost.
0: Okay. Um. What has panned out exactly as your pro forma said they would, and what surprises popped up once you started digging through the code?
1: <laughs> That's a great question. Um, look, the product integration has taken longer primarily because of, uh, focus issues on our side or reprioritization really issues. You know, we've got big clients, we drove another last three years, we've driven hundred percent revenue growth pretty much year on year. And last year we did the same thing and it was just prioritizing what was going to drive uh, revenue, uh, last year for major clients versus what was going to be next year, the year after. So that's probably the longest thing. One of the big surprises is the talent we acquired and the impact that has on the broader business. Um, so that, um, you know, the owner and founder of that business, Brad, joined the board and has become a senior member of our team and has added a huge amount of value to the business, um, way and above beyond what the Caraply business, you know, we, we when we looked at it, we were looking at it purely for the Caraply business, but we weren't looking at the impact that would have on Rock.
0: Was there an earnout structure that made him stick around, or was it all cash up front?
1: There was an earnout structure, so to, and they were very keen for that. because Rock was growing so fast that they got two thirds of their dealing in Rock stock, so that sort of created a high degree of alignment in making you know the success of the transaction and also driving longer term success in Rock.
0: I think there's such a huge opportunity for smart entrepreneurs like you to go make acquisitions like this. I mean, you just saw this actually, Brad Feld did this, where he sold Mattermark, where he was on the board to full contact, which is he's also on the board. Full contact is bigger. And in order to make sure the LPs didn't have to take a write down on the, in your case, I think they raised about 6 million bucks to avoid a write down. They just say, Hey, we got rock stock now and we're really bullish on it. So maybe it'll turn into something big one day, right?
1: Yeah. Look at. I think they did well anyway, because the funding on the business was relatively small. It was largely bootstrapped. And so I think the investors were also pretty happy. We had some common investors as well that were very happy to get more rock stock.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. They raised, I mean, I think they raised about 6000000 million, didn't they? I mean, that was pretty significant for their size in terms of ARR.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they, I don't, it was probably, there was some currency impacts and a few other things there. I think, you know, they would have raised all that money in Australia and Australian dollars, but um you know, in the $15 million deal they, that we paid them five in cash. And I'm sure that they would have, you know, the net net of that probably would have been a nice return for the investors in terms of what they put in in cash.
0: Got it. Okay. That company, you said you acquired it doing about 1.22 million in ARR. Have you been able to upsell it like you thought you would? In other words, has that channel doubled or tripled year over year or no, it's been slower?
1: It's, uh, it was a little slower, uh, in terms of the growth rate we, we expected, but it actually had um, a, a positive impact on our growth rate in our two other products, Optimise, which is uh, a SaaS-based product that, that businesses buy—the marketing platform, if you will, just to do their own internal marketing. So think about businesses doing their own cross-sell, upsell messages, um, not wanting to expose themselves to sort of broader marketplaces. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, that's definitely um, that's definitely been a big, much more positive impact than what we expected. Yeah. So, um, and also it's helped drive. Uh, monetize acquisitions as well so uh, businesses that want to use a combination of products it's helped us get into those those businesses as well
0: DRMs might be the tool that I fight with the most. I just haven't found one that I really liked. I don't know if you guys are the same way, but they're just so tricky. And a while ago, I had a guy named John Lee on my show. He's the CEO of ProsperWorks. And he told me they just passed 40,000 customers and 24 million in annual revenue. So they're doing about $286,000 in revenue per employee. And I said, wow, why is this working? And I said, you know what? I'm going to try it. So I went to prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM signed up and it immediately became clear why it worked. Those of you that love growth hacking, you should go to that link just to see how they do the onboarding. That's prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. In short, it's like magic. You know, I'm not the guy that you know, finishes the sales call and then takes the time to actually put data into the CRM. They have this magical way of just doing it and it's a beautiful thing. So every morning when I wake up, I just go, okay, what leads are ProsperWorks telling me to reach out to because they're most likely to close and it works so well. And you guys know I love money and I love only focusing on the leads that are going to close. So I encourage you to try ProsperWorks or sponsoring the show. Check them out at prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. Folks, that's again, prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. Tell me more about the rocked story. So it sounds like you've raised capital. What have you
1: raised? Uh, we've raised uh, 34 million. Um, so we raised a series A of uh, just over 8 million US and a series B of 26 million. The Series B we raised, uh, we extended it slightly, and then um, we used five of the Series B money to do the counterpart acquisition as well.
0: Yep, yep, which, which makes sense. Were those two things kind of tied together when you were pitching you know, investors on the second round, the, the acquisition was in that talk, talking points? It
1: was, yeah. That was tied into the, into the, into the business. It was a small part of it. You know, it was five out of 26, but the primary thing for us was just feeding more growth. We're, we're a little unusual in the way we run the business. We tend to run it, uh, quite conservatively on cash, so we're a, we're a cash flow uh, and p and positive business, um, and so we tend to invest the dollars we make back into long-term product development. But we're not sort of hungry for you know uh, capital from a cash burn perspective. We tend to be much more conservative on the cash flow, but we used it to drive longer-term investment in product, the acquisition, and also to open up a couple of markets that we weren't in, like Japan, Germany, France that we wanted to get in. Um, And so they tend to have 12 to 24 months investment time frames.
0: And what's your team size to date?
1: We're at 150 today.
0: 150, across how many offices or where's your worst headquarters?
1: Uh, So we're across uh, eight or nine offices now. Um, The big ones uh, are New York where we've got all of the commercial staff centered. So CMO, CRO, myself are all in New York. Uh, We've got about 60 people in New York. We've got then all of our engineering and our head of product and engineering based in Sydney, Australia. So we've got about 80 or 90 people there. Um, and, uh, then we've got small offices in other parts of the world. So Auckland, Singapore, um, Munich, Tokyo, London, um, you know, in different, just basically doing client service in those markets and some regional headquarters.
0: What are you guys at today now in terms of total customers you're serving?
1: We serve about 2000 customers and
0: that's across Um, all your products, correct?
1: Across all our products, mainly at the enterprise level. We've just rolled out a small business product and, uh, and that's new for us, but it's all, uh, it's very much focused big enterprise level. You know, your expedias of the world, your Ubers of the world, Apple, um, those sorts of brands, Ticketmaster, Live Nation, um, uh, Groupon big e-commerce brands tend to be our, our mainstay clients. And you said
0: you're growing fairly rapidly. Can you give us a sense of revenue today? How big are you guys?
1: Yeah, we're doing a run rate of about 6 million a month at the moment. Um, and we're, we're on track to do about hundred million next year.
0: Now are you, and you said you're growing hundred percent year over year. So December, 2016, you were doing about 3 million a month then
1: uh, slightly less than that. Yeah. So the revenue, the growth rate has been a bit faster than that, but, um, yeah, so it's it's come from you know in in the start of 2013 we were we were tiny you know just in Australia doing you know hundred thousand a month or they were about two hundred thousand a month so very very small and then grown very quickly over the the, the last um, the last few years.
0: Now you you say that the way you say that revenue number you said about a six million dollar kind of monthly recurring revenue, So And you use the term run rate. So when you use that, it, it's a signal to me that you feel like even on the kind of ad spend percentage side of the business it's pretty stable and pretty growing and it's revenue you can count on right?
1: Yeah we're not like um we're not like ad tech businesses or you are doing io to io or dsps or those sorts of businesses that are plugged into agencies or other worlds we have run a direct to brand model it's mainly marketing tech it's integrated directly into crms we we mainly work on the on the marketing tech side it's typically not IO driven, but driven by, um, uh, driven by performance really is typically the primary driver of it. That's huge though.
0: Most people just look over that. And guys, when Bruce says IO, he means insertion order, which means you have to have a sales team trying to close deals every month to keep revenue predictable. Bruce, what you're saying is your thing is tied to some value utility metric, which is very predictable over time.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, and our clients have spent most of our money have been spending money with us for, five years continuously and they just spend you know more money each year based on performance so our sales team to give you a feel of the 150 people i think we've got about eight or seven or eight in business development actually in sales Um, so it's a relatively small half our team is focused on product and engineering and building out the next wave of product and a lot of it is sort of helping clients actually get smarter about marketing tech so it's almost like um uh, leveraging their own media assets data, how to send triggers at the right time, what sort of signal should they be using. We spent a lot of time helping businesses just get smarter and and really supporting, I think, what, it, what is happening, which is an evolution from, you know, the ad tech world and the traditional uh, media agency world to much more um, marketing tech and own media assets and try, businesses trying to control their destiny with their customers much more directly. And that's that's what we're trying to support our clients to do. Last um,
0: last question here, Bruce, before we wrap up with the famous five. What do you assume lifetime value is? I know that's always a tricky number, but what do you assume it is for your clients?
1: It's very hard. I mean, we have clients that will spend, you know, $20 million with us this year and we've got clients that will spend $100,000 with us this year um, and everything mm-hmm. everything in between. So um, you've got big enterprise clients that uh, look to solve significant problems and can be basically whatever. you know th- there's businesses out there that are spending you know a quarter of a billion dollars a year on on Google AdWords. and so um, it's really about um, tapping into those sorts of markets and helping them solve that problem uh, with innovative tools and creating uh, you know this virtual network where they can actually partner with other businesses and leverage their own assets so that they're actually creating, revenue streams to fund their customer acquisition on stuff that they were never doing before.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you like, when you look at all the salaries of business people, salespeople, all that divided into the new customers you're adding each month, what do you like to get in terms of your payback period fully weighted under how many months?
1: So typically the way we think about it is cost of sale um, for new business. And year one cost of sale typically sits around about 20%. Um, of the
0: contract value?
1: Of, of what their spend is, so delivered revenue year one versus cost of acquisition and new business is around 20%, and obviously that falls away to very almost nothing in years two, three, four uh, as they continue to go onwards. Our churn rates are almost nothing, so that's a, a really different part like of less
0: business. than less than one percent monthly.
1: Less than one percent monthly on on most of our products. On on the acquisition product, there's where people come in and out a little bit seasonality. You get some if you look at it monthly you get some weird results because they may they may only spend in two or three months of the year but typically uh, you know our churn rates are if you look at it over a longer period even on that product are very low but on the monetized product on the optimized product and our play product our churn rates would be less than one percent a month
0: that's amazing yeah so if i take six million bucks a month right now divide it and your two thousand customers divide into that this is obviously a hard to look at it this way but an average is about three grand per month per customer and if you get it back uh that's obviously a thirty-six thousand dollar acb and if you spend 20 percent of that on a cac you know you're spending you know six ish k on cac covering it in just three months that's a healthy that's a healthy money velocity channel there yes awesome <laughs> all right bruce let's wrap up here with the famous five one word answers number one what's your favorite business book
1: uh favorite business book are books around uh Diverse, uh, you know, uh, people that effectively had to come overcome adversity. Name so, one. So, like um, uh, A Long Walk to Freedom, A Fortunate Life. They're not really business books. But they're the ones that I think, you know, in terms of an entrepreneur, you need to have that stamina, endurance, and ability to come adversity. And so, that's they're probably the ones that I'd say uh, top of my list in terms of mottos and things that I tend to carry with me day to day.
0: Number two, name a CEO that you're following or studying that's not mainstream.
1: Yeah, I don't tend to follow a lot of other CEOs. That sounds a bit trite. I like people that are actually taking risk and want to change the world. You know, so the the standard people that um, tend to pop up in my newsfeed are the ones that are actually doing something that's risky. But is,
0: let me, Bruce. Is, let me ask you, Let me of, let me ask you differently. Uh, uh, who, who do you yeah. like to get dinner with in New York and and, and brainstorm just about life and business
1: with? <laughs> my wife. <laughs> Good She's answer. Also, Successful entrepreneur in her own right.
0: <laughs> Good answer. I'll put. i stick her down. All right. Number three. What's besides your own? What's your favorite online tool?
1: Uh, Expensify. I love it. It's um. I hate expenses. I hate anything that actually doesn't is not delivering value to clients or delivering value to sort of the end users and expenses are one of the worst things in the world, I think, to spend time on. And it's just been one of those massive time-consuming tasks in a lot of big businesses. Yep. But if you haven't used Expensify, try and use it. It's a great tool. David, to was,
0: David was just on the show about two weeks ago. They've just passed almost 60 million bucks in annual acquiring revenue, so they're killing it. Number four, Bruce, how many hours of sleep do you get every night?
1: Look, I, I would love to say I get eight hours. And when I'm training, I ran my first marathon last year, and I actually did get uh, up to eight or nine hours. But Typically, it's normally six hours, and then I, I'm a bit like a sleep camel, and I save it up and store it up, and then I catch up in holidays. Yep. Uh, but yeah. a friend, friend of mine at J&J gave me a, a recommendation for a product called WHOOP, which is a, a good tool if people want to track their sleep patterns, um, and it really helps you actually work out what actually disrupts your sleep, and that actually helped me get up to sort of seven or eight hours That's good. Uh, when I was using that.
0: And what's your situation? You said, Mary, do you have any kids?
1: I have five kids. Five um, kids.
0: Wife- Holy mackerel. And how old are you? <laughs> I'm 45 all right, Bruce uh, last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew?
1: Uh, I wish that uh, I can I would basically say stay impatient continue to follow your dreams um, And never get trapped in something you feel you're obligated to do in terms of work well, That's the worst thing in the world If you feel like you've got to do something because you need that monthly paycheck then you're gonna find yourself You know never actually able to follow the, the aspirations that you've got you never actually fulfill your full potential
0: there you guys have it from Bruce. He goes from jets to marketing software to $15 million acquisitions. Launched that rocked many years ago. Now as a team of about 150 people, they've raised approximately 34 million bucks. 2,000 customers doing about 6 million per month in terms of run rate. That's up from just 3 million per month about 13 months ago. Hope to break that $100 million run rate here in 2019. That would be next year. Healthy economics across all their product lines, generally less than 1% churn. They're spending about 20% of year one contract value on acquisition. So math checks out
1: there. Bruce, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thanks a lot, Nathan. Cheers.